We're glad that you're here today. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Let's welcome everybody who's with us online. Can we thank them for being with us today? And I just want to tell you guys, thank you for uh, sharing uh, this uh, live feed on Facebook. Um, we, we have, I think, over a thousand people viewing every week. And so that's awesome. That's an extended family uh, who are out there that are part of what's going on here at ACF Church. So if you're online, we're glad that you're with us as well today. Um, we are in a series uh, called Rhetorical Questions. And um, before we get into that too much, uh, there's just a lot going on in our church right now. Um, it's just a busy season, isn't it? It's a busy season in Alaska, lots of changing of uh, people coming and going. I think this week I've prayed for five or six different families as they uh, are moving to different places and having some changes in their lives. And, and at the same time, I think there's been many families who are uh, new here and joining us on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And, and so I just want to tell you, uh, if you're new, um, lean in, lean in. If you're here today and you're like, um, I'm waiting on somebody next to me to say hi to me, uh, the odds are that they're probably waiting on you to say hi to them because they're probably new as well. So um, it is our responsibility to lean into community. And, and if you're new as well, if you want to find out some more about ACF Church, uh, there's something called Engage that we do every single week. And it's just up the stairs in the lobby. It's 20 minutes after service. It's a great way to get your questions answered, uh, a great way to find out how to take your next step with Jesus. And so uh, I definitely encourage you. It's time really well spent. Uh, to go check that out. Uh, we're also, I don't know if you know this, but ACF Church is going to Czech Republic, which we're really excited about. Uh, if you don't know Brent and Liz Hoffman, we are sending them off next month, and uh, they're going to be working at an orphanage there as well as some other ministries. And so essentially, we are going to Czech Republic. Very excited about that. Um, and, and then even in our, in our staff, there's, there's some changes going on. We actually have five or six new people who are, who are jumping on our team who are calling themselves volunteer staff. Uh, which simply means they do everything a staff member does, but we don't pay them. So, uh, which you're probably like, how do you talk people into doing this? We didn't. They just want to do it, which is awesome. Uh, essentially, we have people in our church who have said, hey, I want to step up to another level of leadership to help ACF Church function and for us to expand the kingdom here in, in Eagle River. And so I want to commit a certain number of hours a week to being on staff, uh, on call, just part of the ACF Church team uh, in, a, in a deeper way. And so we'll be praying for them next month as well. So lots of good stuff going on. We're excited. Uh, fall's going to be here before we know it. And uh, we'll be giving you next step updates and things with our facility as well uh, coming up here real soon. So um, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them real quick. If you want to also download the ACF Church app, you can do that as well. And uh, all of the notes will be on there. Uh, But open up to Mark chapter 6 and let's stand up together, can we? Uh, We just do this occasionally. We stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And uh, we'll read this together. It says this in Mark 6, verse 34. And and just even before we get there, if you're a church person, you have heard this story before. Uh, And the tendency is going to be to like check out and and think about fishing, right? Uh, But I want to encourage you as we read this together to just ask God to give you something fresh from this because I I believe that he wants to speak to us today. Uh, This is a a very well-known story, the feeding of the 5,000. And so let's read this. Verse 34 says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. 
And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Can we bow our heads and pray together as we start off? Jesus, thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you that the questions that you asked 2,000 years ago, God, they still pierce our hearts today. Uh, So Father, we just ask that you could speak to us. I love the song we just sang, God, that you are unstoppable, that you are all-powerful, God, that you are our sustainer, the giver of life. And so God, we just acknowledge as we start off today who who you are and who we're not. Um, God, where we have not been faithful this week, God, you have been faithful. Where we have our doubts and our questions and concerns, God, you know all things. And so, God, we ask today that we could just stand before you and that you would speak to our hearts and challenge us and change us, uh, that we could have an interaction with our creator and God and the savior of our souls. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you can be seated. So I I share pretty openly and honestly with you guys uh, from the front here just about where I've come from. And uh, and if you're new here, uh, I've only been teaching here at ACF Church for about two and a half years. Um, we've been in Alaska for a little over eight years. I came up and was leading worship, which I don't get to do anymore. I feel like I got a demotion sometimes. I get demoted to senior pastor. Uh, and so I don't do that. Uh, I used to lead the, the youth ministry. I, I passed that on and stepped up into the position that I'm in. And, and I'm pretty open about uh, my feelings of, of sometimes that I'm completely inadequ- inadequate and insecure about uh, where God has brought me to. And, and for some people in the room, you're like, well, then why am I listening to you? But for other people, I I feel like there's, there's this connection that we can make because the reality is I think most of us feel pretty inadequ- inadequate in the things that we do. Most of us have those feelings of, man, I'm not enough. And, and I struggle with that in so many ways. And I can just, I, I think back to when I was a kid and, and how as a kid, I always wanted to impress the people that were around me. And so if we were in a situation where uh, we wanted to go do something stupid, right, I was always the first one to go and do it because I wanted to prove that I could do that. And, and so like we'd play games like Truth or Dare. Anybody else used to play Truth or Dare? And so I would always choose Dare because it was a chance to show off. It was a chance to prove myself to people. Um, you know, like kids oftentimes look at their parents and they want to get their attention. And it's like, look, mom, look what I can do. Look, dad, check out what I'm doing. And there's this, this need for approval, this need to, 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 be, to believe that we're enough, that we can do it, you know, that we have what it takes. And so I think this is a lifelong journey. I don't know if we ever really grow out of that. As adults, we still have this burning desire to feel like we have what it takes. And so uh, for you, maybe it's, uh, it's getting the degree or it's getting the next rank, or it's acquiring a position, or a certain thing, you know, it's, the, it's finally getting that truck you always wanted, or that house, or that kitchen finally remodeled to look just the way you want it to, and, and all of these things sort of build us up to feel like, okay, now I've really accomplished something, now I've arrived as a person. But then, like, something happens that, that will ultimately show you that you don't really have what it takes. Something will come up, and a situation will prove to you that, that you don't have what it takes. Like, for instance, parenting, right? So all it takes is having children for you to realize, I don't have what it takes. Uh, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and, uh, which is crazy to think about. And I, we, so we had Cadence when I was 24, 
And I, I remember we walked out of the hospital and there was like this lady that followed us. I don't know if this happened to you, but she followed us to make sure that the car seat was actually strapped in, right? And they want to make sure that you know how to buckle it in and the kid's not going to go flying through the windshield at the first stoplight. And so, you know, she checks on it and we get in the car with this newborn infant little girl. And then, and then she's like, see ya. And I remember going, Really? Like, no chaperone? Like, nobody's going to spend the next month with us to make sure we don't, like, kill this little child? I, I don't know anything about raising kids. Up until we had Cadence, I had never changed a diaper in my entire life. So I'm, like, fumbling around trying to get this thing put on. I didn't know anything. And, of course, you know, Amanda, you know, she's got that mom instinct, and she's figuring it out. And, but I just remember this feeling of, man, I, I am so inadequate. And then as the time goes on, you learn even more how inadequate you are and how little you have to offer. And you start fearing that, you know, as a dad, my thing was always the numbers. Can we afford this kid, right? And then realizing that you can never really afford kids. You just can't. It's never, the number's never going to work out, right, parents? It never works out. You just sort of have them and you figure it out. But I remember as a dad just worrying, like, can we afford this kid? Do I have enough time for this kid, right? To be a parent, to be a good dad and, you know, to invest in this little girl and show her, you know, who she is and, 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 and encourage her. Do I have the time for that? Uh, do I have the ability as a parent to be a great parent and to be consistent with them? And, and I, I realized over the past 10 years that the answer to all those questions is, nope, I don't. I don't have what it takes. I really don't. I mean, I can, I can do the right thing occasionally and, you know, we can, we can get the resources together to take care of these kids and to raise them as well as we can. But the journey that I've been on is sort of embracing the reality that I am not enough. And I think this is a really important journey that we all need to go on because honestly, and I just want to start off with this, I think the beginning of your salvation is embracing the reality that you are not enough. This really is the core of the gospel. And we talk about this every week that Jesus had this, this message that he brought of the kingdom of God, the reign of God uh, on earth, just as it is in heaven. And so this is what we're looking forward to is this day that God reigns on earth. But the, the reality is like, it's his reign, not ours. And while the, the whole world is feeding you stuff like, hey, you can do it. You got what it takes. You're enough. And, and if you just think that, you can get anything you want out of life. Jesus shows up and flips things upside down and says, what you need is grace. What you need is the gospel. What you need to realize is that you're not enough, but Jesus is. And when you, when you really get this, you start to experience peace, uh, where the people around you are just on this treadmill trying to seek the next high, trying to accomplish the next thing and prove themselves to, to their parents and to the people around them and to themselves, where you can rest in knowing, you know what, I'm not enough but I know the one who is. And so the story that we're getting at today is a story of these men who find themselves in a situation where they are not enough. And I want you to know that like, if you're that way today, if you feel that way, you are in great company. And in fact, the people that serve every single week at ACF Church, the people in the love all, serve all shirts, what you're going to find out if you see them is that most of them feel completely inadequate for, for many of the things that they do. Uh, in fact, if, if, if people are wearing shirts in the room, let's give them a hand for, for serving us today. Can we do that? Yeah. It's awesome. You need to know, none of, I've talked to so many of our, of our team members, and they just, they don't feel like they're enough. They just, they know what they want to be a part of. And you can even write this down. Our team members, they don't have time. They have vision. They don't have time to do this. And maybe you've seen the, these people who are serving, and you're like, man, I, one day I'll serve when I've got as much time as they do. Here's the deal. They're busy. 
They have jobs, they have kids, they have stuff going on, they have health things that they're working through, but they just have vision to be a part of something. And so if you're here today and you feel like, man, I don't have enough talent, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough resources to be a part of something, I I want you to know that an excess of those things is not what you need. What you need is vision to be a part of something. And so in this passage that we're talking about today, there's this this situation where this crowd is growing and, and they're needing food. And Jesus has just dealt with a really hard blow. And so let me give you kind of the backstory. Um, there's this guy named John, and he's known as John the Baptist. And, and right before this, uh, there, this, there's this guy named King Herod. Now, King Herod uh, had married this woman named Herodias. So we've got Herod and Herodias, which is just great. And, and Herodias was actually his brother's wife. So John the Baptist had been saying things about their relationship. Like, Herod, it's unlawful that you'd married this woman. You stole your brother's wife. This is not a good thing. And so he was not super popular with Herodias or Herod. Well, Herod at this point, he just had a birthday. And like any good king, he threw himself a birthday party, right? So he invites all his buddies over, has a birthday party. And, and, you know, I'm I'm guessing they're just, they're drinking and hanging out. And one of the guys decides to invite some dancers to the party. Like, not like line dancers, but like dollar bill dances, right? So we got these dancers at the party. This is in the Bible, so I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So the dancers are at the party, okay? And one of them catches his eye. It just gets weirder. And, and, and so he invites this girl over. She happens to be his now, uh, his now stepdaughter. So this is Herodias's daughter from a previous marriage. And so he, she catches his eye and she's like, he's like, oh baby, come over here. I'll give you anything that you want. Just tell me. And so she goes, I'll be right back. She goes to her mom and says, mom, what do I want? Now Herodias has this issue with John the Baptist. So she goes, what you want is John the Baptist's head on a platter, right? It's just crazy. And so, so, so this girl goes back to Herod and is like, I figured out what I want. And I'm guessing he's thinking like, I don't know, you know, a new horse or some nice clothes. And she's like, I want, you know, a dead guy's head on a platter. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And this puts Herod in a tough situation where he's made this commitment, but he can't back down now because all his boys are watching, right? And he's like, okay, I'll do exactly what I said. And so they kill John the Baptist, deliver his head on a platter, and now the disciples and Jesus have just gotten word of this. So picture this. There's this crowd of thousands of people pressing in on Jesus and and the disciples, and they just got word that they'd lost their friend and Jesus' cousin. This man, John the Baptist, was a devout believer. He was, he was a believer in Jesus, a believer in, in God, and he's, he's called the herald, the, the forerunner of Jesus. And he, he told of this man who would come, who would be greater than he was. And he spoke about Jesus. And so this was a big deal for them to lose John. And so they're mourning and they're struggling. And, and the disciples are like, Jesus, let's get away from this crowd. Let's make some space. Like, now is not the time to do ministry. Let's just take care of ourselves. And any of us might be like, absolutely. You know, there is a time to mourn, a time to get some space, a time to just take care of you. But Jesus was like, no, now is not the time. There's this crowd of people and it says Jesus had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus knew they needed to see the kingdom of God. They needed to hear the good news. And so Jesus was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve these people. Okay, so this is where we find ourselves, or Jesus is like, no, we need to feed this, this great crowd that's pressing in on them. It says, verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Okay, so 
Jesus like feed the crowd and his disciples respond back, should we go get 200 denarii worth of bread? Okay, so last week we talked about the denarii. It's like a day's wage. And I did the math according to 2017 pay statistics. This is like $50,000 worth of bread, right? So they're being really sarcastic with Jesus. Like this much bread does not exist anywhere around them. Like Jesus, you really want us to go get $50,000 worth of bread to eat? This is absolutely ridiculous. And then it says in verse 38, and he said to them, this is funny, well, how many loaves do you have? This is just, a, I, I laugh at the Bible. I think it's funny because these interactions are just hilarious. Jesus is like, like open your wallet. What do you have? And he knows it's not going to be enough. And he says, go and see. When they had found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. Okay, so the disciples come back to Jesus and they're like, well, Jesus, we got five pieces of bread, five loaves and a couple of fish. And Jesus is like, great, get everybody to sit down, get ready to eat. And they're going, what are you doing, right? This is going to be a big problem. These people are going to get ready to eat. They're going to get excited for the food. You're going to sit them in circles and then you're not going to feed them. And so I can imagine the disciples are like, Jesus, this makes no sense at all. And, and verse 41 says, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Okay, so this is really cool. Jesus in this moment is teaching his disciples a lesson. He wants to tell them who the giver of what they have actually is. And so he decides to say grace before the meal. So like any good Jewish father, Jesus grabs the loaves and the fish and he, he, he sits them down. He's like, hey, let's, let's say grace before the meal. Let's thank God for what we have. And that's essentially what grace is, isn't it? Grace is thanking God for what you have. It's acknowledging that everything that you have actually comes from God, that he is the giver. This word grace actually comes from two Latin words. The, the first is gratia, which means thanks, and the other is gratis, which means grateful. And so Jesus begins as they find themselves in this situation of deep inadequacy, uh, where they are underqualified and they don't, they don't have the resources that they need to accomplish what's going on in front of them. And Jesus is like, you know where we need to begin? Is by giving thanks. Is by acknowledging that God gave us what we have, these five loaves, these two fish. It's not much. It's not a lot, but it is what we have and it comes from God. So what I want you to do, just ask yourself these questions real quick. It, just kind of in your heart, now, what, is it, what does this look like for you? The first question is this. Do you see your time, relationships, and resources as a gift from God? Do you, do you see it all as a gift from God, that it all comes from him? That whether it be a lot or a little, that it is from God. Now, this is anti-American, right? Because as Americans, we take care of ourselves. I'm a self-made man. I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can do it alone, Right? Whereas really the reality is the talent that you have, the intellect that you have, where you were born, all of these things, you didn't do it, right? You didn't choose that. That was a gift from God to you. And it seems that for most people, we only realize this when things get taken away, right? When you lose the job or you don't get the promotion or maybe you have a health issue and you realize, wow, good health is a gift from God. And so for most of us, we feel pretty independent right up until we're not, right up until we need some help. And so do you see these things as a gift from God? How about this? Do you speak more about what you want or what you have? 
As, as your friends hang out with you, do they constantly hear you being grateful for what you have and having this understanding that, man, I don't have everything that I want, but I am just so grateful for what I have? Or, or do you constantly speak about the next thing, the next thing that you're going to buy, the next place that you're going to go, the next thing that you're going to get? How about this question? Do you become more or less generous when faced with a need? What does that look like in your life? In this situation, any of us would have said, Jesus, disciples, go mourn the loss of your friend. Just go make some space, take care of yourselves. It's okay. It makes a lot of sense. And in this moment of great need and mourning, they decided to lean in and to give everything that they had for food to this crowd of people. That's crazy, right? This is kingdom-mindedness in and of itself. How about this last one? Do you have a scarcity or abundance mentality? It's a good question. Do you see this, that what you have is limited and and you can only get so much? Or do you see that everything that you have comes from the God who is completely unlimited? And we just sang this song, Unstoppable God, right? I love that song. Isn't it cool? You're just singing about how God is absolutely unstoppable, unlimited. That that he he does anything that he wants to do. And if, if what you have comes from God, then God has unlimited ability to give you more, Right? That he can give you absolutely everything you need to do the work that he calls you to. Okay, so, so how do you see that in your life? Do you have a scarcity or abundance mentality? It's kind of like this. So I've shared that uh, I grew up going to, to a farm. My family has a farm in Maine. And I used to spend the summers there working with my grandfather. And he, he raised uh, oxen. These huge, like, massive oxen that they weighed a couple thousand pounds apiece. They were just massive and I just remember, you know, tending fences and working the fields with him. And so you've got these huge oxen in this pen with this electric fence around the edge, right? And I'd grab it like every kid, right? You got to see if you can hold on. How long, how many can you do it? And so we'd, we'd go and we'd mend the fences and make sure there weren't any trees or grass leaning up against the electric fence. And then it would always happen, middle of the summer, one of those oxen would go over and they just would happen to like lean up against the fence, And it would shock them and they'd realize that wasn't that bad. And they'd plow through the fence and just run the thing over. And so then if you know anything about cattle, you know that once that that happens, that animal is a menace, right? Because now it knows that whenever it wants to, I'm 2,000 pounds. That little piece of string is like that thick. I'm going to go running through it. It just becomes unstoppable and untrainable because it, it is realized that it can get through the fence, it's funny though, that animal has been in this fence since it was little. So as a little calf, it'd walk over and it would zap it and it would teach itself, no, this is, I cannot get beyond this, this fence. These are my limitations. This is my boundary and I cannot go beyond there. But as it grows up, it still has that mentality, this, this mentality that this is the box within that I can play. And I really feel like that's kind of how we get is that we, we see that, you know, what I have financially is limited. My talent and abilities are limited. And, you know, I can only go so far and do so much. But here's what I believe is that when God calls you to stuff, he will give you everything you need to accomplish the work that he calls you to. That God is unlimited. Even though that you are limited, God has no limitations. And that's a transition to begin to think that way that, man, it doesn't make sense that God may be calling me into, into serving in this way or doing this or that, but, but maybe God's going to give me what I need to take a step forward. So, so just back to this story. So Jesus prays. He gives thanks for the, the bread and the fish. 
He prays. The disciples, they all have their eyes closed, right? They're like, okay, this is the prayer. This is it. Jesus is going to work a really cool miracle. Uh, I'm excited to open my eyes and see all of this bread. And they open their eyes and it's two loaves and two fish. And I can imagine somebody's like nudging Jesus. Jesus, keep praying, right? Like a little bit longer, Jesus. Spend more time praying. It didn't work, right? And I can imagine they're just stressing out. They're wanting for this, this multiplication to happen right before their eyes. So that then they can distribute the food and everybody can be happy, right? That's what they want to see instead. That's not what happens. Verse 42 just says they all ate and were satisfied. Here's what I think actually happens. I don't think any of it was multiplied until they began to distribute it. I don't think it was multiplied in the baskets or on the ground. It was multiplied in the disciples' hands. And you can write this down. When they did their part, God did his And this is a deep truth that that we need to consider today that if we do what God calls us to do, that we can trust that God will do what he said he will do. In any kind of situation, they had to take a step forward, but what they probably wanted was to remove faith from from the moment. That's what we want, right? We want to remove all faith from the moment. We want God to make it so clear and to multiply things before we have to take a step out. But in this moment, they had to start giving it away before they saw the multiplication. I can imagine, the, you know, the disciples grabbed the, the bread and they were just handing out like little crumbs, like don't eat it all, you know, just a little bit, you know. And, and then like they just started seeing it multiply and, and giving bigger chunks and bigger chunks and like tearing off huge chunks of the loaf and giving it to people going, man, this is amazing. The multiplication is happening right before our eyes. You guys, I think there's a deep truth for us here today that we would consider God will do what he will do when we take a step out in faith and do what he calls us to do. When they did their part, God did his part. And this is who ACF Church is. We're, we're just a community full of people who do their part. I mean, that's really, people have really looked at our church and seen our church grow and multiply and been like, hey, what's going on? What's, what's the key? Why is, why is the church growing? And here's the thing. I don't ever think about a program. I always just think about certain people. I think about people who are completely, like they struggle with inadequacy and they struggle with not feeling like they're enough. And yet they step out and they do their part. And I have to do this too. So I want you to know if you're like, well, Brian, you can preach that, but you're on staff at the church. We have ministry that we need to do as a family. So my wife and I, we started a small group this last year. And in fact, I think we have a picture our small group. These are my homies. So this is uh, my small group. Uh, And coming into the fall of last year, here's the thing. We were really busy. We were really busy. We did not have time for a small group. And my wife and I, we just sat down and talked about it. And we were like, man, we feel like God is calling us to open our home uh, to young married couples uh, just in their early 20s and and have them over. And so we did. We we just opened our home and, and, and started it and had a small group when we didn't have time, when we didn't have energy. And we did it, and I just will tell you guys, I would never have changed the, past, the last past year for the world. These people are our family. Like these guys, we love the people in this picture. And had we not taken that step, we would have never gotten to know them like we did. And there's so many of you that I'd love to get to know. We just don't have, have, have time to get together with everybody. But to have a few people in our house and to say, man, we're going to do this. We're just going to make space. God has been so faithful to that. And so I just want to ask you, what is your step? Maybe you're like, man, I I could never do that. Can you brew some coffee and unlock the front door? Because if you can, then you could probably lead a life group. 
Uh, maybe it's another skill or a gift that you have that you've been like, ah, I don't know if I could ever take this next step. And I want you to know, you probably are inadequate. But in the end, yeah, it's like, this is the worst sermon in the world. It's not though. I want you to know this is, this is good news. It really is good news. When you finally embrace that you're just not enough, you really can put faith in the one who is. And that really is the beginning of you receiving from God. You cannot receive from God until you realize that you're not enough. You have no reason to. You roll in here and roll out of here and you go on with your life. You know, it, it's really uncommon that people come to church for the first time when they're like, you know, killing it at their job, their bank account's full, the kids are obeying them, and their health is really great. It just doesn't happen. People roll into church for the first time when they're like, yep, lost my job, my family's falling apart, struggling with my marriage, struggling with my future, I don't have any friends, like things are falling apart. It's when people realize that they're not enough that they can begin to receive from the one who is. So I know you laugh, but listen, you're not enough. And that's the beginning, I believe, of your salvation. It's the beginning of you saying, I need help. It's the beginning of, of us re- resisting the pride of saying, man, I can do it on my own and going, no, I can't. I need help. So what are you waiting for? What is the thing that you're like, I would take a step of faith if I had this. So like fill in the blank. I would blank if I had more blank. Like what are those things? Examples. So how about this? I would serve if I had more time. That's easy. How about this? I would give if I had more money, right? I would lead if I had more confidence, talent. Uh, I I would help, you know, if if I had more ability. I don't know what it is for you that you just plug into those spaces, but when you put the words in there, you begin to realize, this is where I lack faith. This is where I believe that God is in scarcity, that he has a limited resource in this particular area. You might be called to something. I would do it if I had more what? For the disciples, I would feed all these people if we had a little more bread and a little more fish. But we don't, so let's not worry about it. Jesus says, nope, let's give thanks. Let's give thanks. A couple of observations. First, that Jesus began with a blessing. I love that Jesus gave thanks. And here's what struck me when I was reading this. And I've read this story a lot of times. What struck me is that they gave thanks for what was not enough. Isn't that funny? Like that, that strikes me as kind of funny because this is not when we give thanks. We give thanks when we have way more than enough, right? In fact, for most Americans, uh, there's a couple of holidays that, that most people actually say grace for a meal, right? And uh, one of them is Christmas and the other is Thanksgiving, right? It's the two times a year that your table is covered with so much food, you're going to make yourself sick, right? You have so much food, you don't know what to do with it all, and that's when we go, somebody ought to say thanks to God for this, right? So who's going to pray, right? Where's the Christian? Who's the Christian in the room? You pray, you pray, right? Somebody pray for the meal, and so somebody prays for the meal, and then you go off to gorge yourselves on turkey and ham and, you know, all that stuff. And so that's totally the opposite of the way that blessing and thanks is, is drawn out in the Bible. Like Jesus has a totally different picture of blessing. I, I really honestly think that we don't know what it means to be blessed. I, I really believe this. We think to be blessed means, man, everything's going great for you. Your kids are listening to you. Your life is going well. Your job is going well. You're healthy. You get to go, you got the new boat. You're going to go down to the Kenai and go fishing this week. I mean, that's how you know that you're blessed, Right? But here's what Jesus says about blessing in Matthew chapter 5. And 
This is in what's called the Beatitudes. And I'm going to read the message translation because it just kind of brings some new life to this uh, and some different, different aspects of this. So just listen to this real quick. It says this in verse 1. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourselves cared for. It's a whole other sermon, but it's good stuff. You're blessed when you get inside, get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. Wow, right? That's good stuff. Maybe I'm the only one excited about that's. You're like, that does not sound like blessing. That sounds like cursing. That sounds terrible. This is what Jesus says is, just to boil all that down, you are blessed when you're not enough. You are blessed when you don't have enough. Because in that place, you will begin to receive from the one who is. So this is just a deep truth. This is so different than what we're fed, isn't it? We're fed you're blessed when everything is going perfect. You're blessed when the world is going right and when people don't persecute you and when you have lots of food. That's when you're blessed. Jesus is like, no, you are blessed when you come in full submission to the God that provides for you. That's really what all this is. It's it's you're blessed when your mind is focused and your heart is focused on the kingdom of God instead of on what you see as, as blessing in this world around you. So blessing is totally different. Jesus starts off by blessing this meal, essentially saying, this comes from you, God. And I, I know where it comes from and I know that God is absolutely unlimited and that, Father, you can, you can give everything that we need to take this step. So second observation, it only multiplied when it was given away. You guys, this is hard. This is hard because we want to take faith out of the equation. We want to see God give us everything we need before we take a step. Instead, what I think God is saying is take a step. Trust me. Obey me. And the God with unlimited resources will supply you with everything you need. Now, we talked last week. We're not assuming things on God. We, we are praying about these things. We're trying to be faithful to God's call on our lives. We're not just doing whatever we want and saying, well, God, you'll take care of it. No, we are being prayerful and trusting God and reading his word and saying, his word says this is right. I'm just going to do it. And when I do it, I'm going to believe that he'll give me every single thing that I need. And I love how this story ends. Because it doesn't just end with all the people getting fed and the disciples being like, wow, that was cool. There was actually 12 baskets left over. Isn't that awesome? 
Now, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about the number of 12. There's, you know, 12 tribes of Israel. And here's what I think. There were 12 disciples. So they start off with, you know, five loaves, two fish. And they're like, man, we don't have enough. They all went home with big baskets full of food. And you better believe as they were eating that, they were remembering the God that has unlimited resources, who has unlimited power, who when he calls you to do something, will give you everything that you need to accomplish it. So I love that they walked away and not only did they bless others, but they were blessed. And that's how the people who serve at ACF Church are. If you ask any of them, hey, uh, you know, is it, is it good to bless others? They'll be like, yeah, absolutely. But I'm more blessed than I think I am a blessing. I, I receive more than I give. And that's how it is when you begin to flip this whole idea upside down and, and see the kingdom of God the way it is, you'll begin to see blessing totally differently. So where are you at today? Are you ready to say that you're not enough? Are you ready to acknowledge that you cannot save yourself and that you can't accomplish the things that you want to do on your own? You guys, I know this is hard because everything in our pride says, no, uh, I am enough. I can do it on my own. But Jesus, I believe, brings us this different message. This is the core of the gospel, is that you're not enough. In fact, if you can't embrace this reality, I don't think that you can really embrace the gospel. If you're here still today going, I don't know, Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty talented. I can kind of take care of myself, but I'll just sprinkle some Jesus on it and we'll be good, right? Like the core of the gospel is admitting that you are not enough. That on your very best day, your best of works, the best day of your life is not enough to save you. So if you're here today and man, you haven't heard anything else that I've said, I just want you to know that you may not be enough, but Jesus is. And if you can receive that truth today, then what that's called is that's called salvation. That's reaching out like a drowning person from the water and saying, I cannot save myself. I need a savior. And so maybe today is your day to to begin to acknowledge that and say, you know what? There is peace to be found in realizing my limitations. There's peace to be found in knowing that as a human that I can't save myself because that's where we begin to know the one who can save us. Let's pray together. God, it's such a simple message today. Um, And yet, this is really difficult stuff to receive from you. I just confess my pride and arrogance and um, confess that, God, I, I feel like I can take care of myself. And I've believed the lies that I can be independent and that I can go through life alone and Um, be successful all on my own. But what we realize today, God, is that we are not enough. That, God, the best of what we can do does not impress you. Um, God, that we need a Savior, and that's why Jesus came, was because we are not enough. And so today, God, I pray that we could receive salvation from you, that we could give thanks. Uh, God, we bring so little to the table. Um, in our talent and abilities, God, and even what we do bring to the table, it all came from you anyway. So God, we lay ourselves out and just ask for your grace. And I am thankful today that you give it in abundance to those who would receive it. So if there's someone here today, God, who just needs grace, who's realized this week that they cannot kick the habit or fix their problems on their own, that today could be the day that they receive what they cannot do on their own from you through acknowledging that they're not enough. I pray for the parent here today who just feels like a total failure with their kids. Um, God, that they would receive your grace and that you'd fill in the gaps of their inadequacies. Uh, 
God, and that you would give them the ability to receive from you because they are not enough. And God, we just want to know your good grace today and to receive from you. I pray as we worship the next few moments, we could let go. I pray you'd just kind of allow the pride to be stripped away and allow us to trust you a little bit more. God, I pray that we would go beyond the conviction to take steps of obedience this week, that we'd all know what our part is to play. We trust that when we do our part, God, you will always do yours. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.